we are getting there. Another couple of weeks, we're done with Jeremiah. It's not like I'm going to stop preaching, so relax. I don't know what I would do. You know, she's talking about those older pastors, and I'm going, you know, there's just no such thing as a retired pastor. I mean, they just kind of keep going until they can't go anymore. Uh, I guess that's my future as uh, the way it goes. So uh, I, yeah, I, I love it. Um, but here we go. Jeremiah. We've been through a lot of the story up to this point. The guy preaches for 40 years. For 40 years, nobody listens to him. Finally, at the end of 40 years, the destruction of Jerusalem comes. And we've talked about this. It's going to be important that you really keep that in mind when we get to our passage today. Because for 40 years, Jeremiah stood up, preached truth, spoke for God, said this is what was going to happen. No one listens to him, and that's what happens. He's used all of these illustrations. He's used the scarecrow to say, look, your idols are like scarecrows. You've got to take care of them, put them up, and take them down. He, he talked about the idea of, of you came into this land clean, like a brand-new T-shirt, and you've soiled yourself and stained yourself with the idols and the paganness and all of the stuff of the land. And, but God will take you back if you'll go back. But they said, no, we don't want to go back. He talked about the idea that a righteous man would be like a tree planted by, by a river, and when the difficult drought times came, he would still do fine. He talked about the idea of the yoke. He talked about the idea of the potter. And uh, You've watched Jeremiah be thrown into prison and everything else, and you, we talked last week about the destruction of Jerusalem. They came in. They wipe out the city. Jeremiah is kind of in a special place, and they tell they, he, Nebuchadnezzar actually tells his army, look, Go in and find this guy, but don't touch him. I'm, I want to talk to him. He's, he's, he's my guy. You protect this guy. And we talked last week about the idea when we honor God, God honors that. And we saw it with, with Geldaliah, and we're going to see that again today with him, and, and with Jeremiah and Ebed and, and those guys, and how they, they stuck with trying to do what was right, and God honored them in the end. Now, this morning we come to Jeremiah, and what happens is, Basically, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, says to Jeremiah, you go wherever you want to go. You're my guy. I appreciate everything that you've done. Um, and Jeremiah wasn't anybody's guy. He was God's guy. He just simply spoke for God, and God, God protected him. And so God says, look, I, uh, he's my guy. And so Jeremiah comes in and says, or, Nehemiah, or Nebuchadnezzar comes in and says, all right, he's the guy. Take care of him. Don't let anything happen. And he comes to Jeremiah and says, Go wherever you want to go. But I'm going to suggest you go to Gildaliah. And that's where Jeremiah goes. So we're going to pick the story up there, and we'll follow it as we go. Here it goes. Jeremiah chapter 40. The word came to Jeremiah the Lord after an commander of the imperial guard had released him at Ramah. He found Jeremiah bound in chains among the captives of Judah and were being carried into exile. When the commander of the guard found Jeremiah, he said, And the Lord your God decreed this disaster for this place. Now the Lord has brought it about. He's done just as he said he would. All this happened because your people, because you people sinned against the Lord and didn't obey him. But today I am freeing you from the chains and your wrists. So they, they come up and Jeremiah is bound and he says, uh, you're going to go free. Now think about this for a minute. You've got all these guys getting ready to be carried into captivity and they go, dee, 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 you, you, come here. And they start unlocking chains. And then it goes on. But today I'm freeing you from the chains. Come with me to Babylon if you like, and I'll look after you. 
But if you don't want to, then don't come. Look, the whole country lies before you. Go wherever you please. In other words, they pick Jeremiah out of this whole group and say, you know what? You're escaping all of this. All right, quick rabbit trail for those of you who have been Christians for a long time. When we get into the end times, there are all kinds of different beliefs. I believe that one of the principles that you see of God is that when God comes down to utterly destroy things, he removes his people from that. I think you even see it in this story. Where with what God is going to do and, and, and the captivity and the whole thing, he pulls Jeremiah out. It's one of the reasons I believe the next event on the timetable in God's kingdom, God's world, is the rapture of the church. Some people don't believe that. If you want to hang around for it, Lord bless you. I intend to be gone. Uh, but I see it even back in stories like this, okay, where God pulls them out. I think you see it in a lot of Old Testament stories like, like, and things like that. You see, like, uh, um, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego pulled out of the furnace. You see those kinds of things. So, rabbit trail done, back on the text. Here we go. He says, look, the whole country lies for you. Go wherever you please. However, before Jerusalem turned, before Jerusalem, he, uh, before Jeremiah turned to go, Nebuchadnezzar said, go back to Gelbaliah, son of Aichim, and the son of Shepherd, who the king of Babylon has appointed over the towns of Judah. So when Nebuchadnezzar leaves, he takes Galdaliah and says, you're in charge. I'm going to leave a small group here. Kind of like when we pulled out of Afghanistan, you know, we're going like to leave a little small group. He says, I'm going to leave a small group here to kind of help out. And uh, Galdaliah, you're in charge of it. And he said, Jeremiah, go back to him or go wherever you please. But he said, I, I would like you to do this. So notice what Jeremiah does. Then, then the commander gave him provisions and a present and let him go. So Jeremiah went to Gelaliah, son of a, and stayed with him among the people who were left behind the land. So now, Gelaliah is in charge. Jeremiah comes back to him. So Jeremiah is always kind of around the king kind of presence thing. And then notice what happens. The text goes on. It says, Johanan, the son of Kar, and all the army officers still in the open territory came to Gelaliah at Mizpah. So Gelaliah had set up kind of captain guys, guys who were in charge of different areas, governors, uh, representatives, whatever you want to call them. He had set up kind of guys, and this is one of the guys, and he comes to him and he says, Don't you know that Belias, king of the Amorites, has sent Ishmael, son of Nethala, to take your life? He comes to him and says, Hey, look, I want you to know Ishmael is coming to kill you. Now, Ishmael was another leader. And notice what it says. But Galdalus, son of a did not believe him. Then Johanan, the son of Jesus, said privately to Galdalus, let me go and kill Ishmael, the son of Nephilim, and no one will know it. He says, look, I happen to know he's coming to take your life. Let me get him first. Just between you and me, let me get him first. And notice what happens. Why should he take your life and cause all the Jews who are gathered around you to be scattered and the remnant of Judah to perish? He even gives him a reason. He says, look, you're the guy now. If, if, if he takes you out, you know what's going to happen. The Amorites and everybody is going to come in. It's going to be a bad deal all the way around. But Galdaliah, son of man, said to John, don't do such a thing. What you were saying about Ishmael is not true. Now, I want to stop here for a second because then I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Is Galdaliah at this point right? Help me out. Tell me what you think. Somebody comes to him and says, look, he's going to kill you. Let me take him out first.
What do you think? Huh? Okay. Everybody's kind of, some of you are on both sides of it, some of you are in the middle of that. Good, because I want you to wrestle with it for a minute, because I want you to show you the rest of the story. Notice what happens going on. And then we're going to see it where the mistake is. In the seventh month, Ishmael, son of Nathan, the son of Ishmael, who was of the royal blood, had been, and had been one of the king's officers, came with ten men to Galdaliah, son of Mizpah. So he shows up with his entourage, and notice they have a meal together. And they sit down to eat. And while they were eating together there, Ishmael, son of, and the ten men who were with him, got up and struck down Galdaliah, son of Anakim, the son of Shon, with a sword, killing one, killing the one whom the king of Babylon had appointed as governor over the land. Ishmael also killed the Jews who were with Galdaliah at Mizpah, as well as the Babylonian soldiers who were there. So he takes out everybody. The day after Galdaliah's assassination, before anyone knew about it, 80 men who had shaved off their beards, torn their coats, and cut themselves came from Shechem, Shiloh, and Samaria, bringing grain and incense offering to the house of the Lord. Ishmael's son went out from Mizpah to meet them, weeping as he went. And when he met them, he said, Come to, Gal- come to Galilee, son of a- And when they went into the city, Ishmael's son and the men who were with him slaughtered them and threw them into the cistern. So these guys come now to the, to the city, and Ishmael slaughters them all. They basically take a cistern and fill it full of 80-plus dead bodies. Now, you go, why? Why didn't Galdaliah listen? Because here's the thing, and this is, I think this is the lesson in the story, and this is the lesson for us. The problem with Galdaliah was there was no discernment on his part in this thing. He was so trusting that somebody came along and said, hey, a guy's going to kill you, and he went, oh, no, 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 it won't happen. There was no discernment on his part to stop and check it out. He just said, no, 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 it won't happen. And the reason I think he said that is because there are two issues here. One is fact. Ishmael's coming to kill you. The solution is, let me take him out first. And Galileah came from a strong family background where he would have known that was wrong. So what he did was he looked at the situation and... I think what happened was, Ishmael's coming to kill you. Let me take him out. Oh, no, 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 that's wrong. Okay, so you know what? The whole thing's wrong. In other words, he never looked at it separately. He never looked at, he never evaluated, is this true? Stop and think about it for a minute. What's the guy's name who's coming to get him? Ishmael. Bing, 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 bing. How many good things happened to Ishmael's in the Bible? Okay, first clue. Ignored it. Never even paid attention. Never even gave it credit for it. And so all of a sudden, here he is. He's got that scenario where he doesn't give any credit at all. Let me go kill him first, biblical or not. No, that's wrong. That's wrong biblically. You don't take another man's life just because of something he said he thinks he's going to do. So, and this is what Satan does. Satan does this every time. Satan muddies it for us. So, true thing, wrong thing. Puts him together, and in this case, Gelderliah looks back and goes, hey, 
Not a problem. You know what? I'm not going to do that. I trust the guy. I made him one of my leaders. He would never do that to me. Ain't going to happen. Oh, hi. How you doing, Ishmael? Dead. It would have been wrong for him to go and take his life, take Ishmael's life. That would have been wrong. It would not have been wrong to go out and check out the story first. What cost him his life was his lack of discernment. What cost him the lives of all these people was lack of discernment. And I think that's the great lesson in Galdaliah here. Is Galilee was so trusting, he just went, yeah, sure, okay, no big deal. And then it cost him his life and a lot of other people. You know what I think one of the big issues in America is right now? One of the biggest issues in Christianity? Lack of discernment. We have people who are not thinking critically about the issues of the day, who are not thinking critically about the way they live their life. And so what has happened is we are, we are as a culture, just swallowing everything. I mean, you know, somebody comes along and makes an argument, we just swallow it up. Oh, yeah, I should just love everybody. Really? Really? Let's go through some names in history. Hitler? Would we as a culture embrace him? Depends on who you talk to. There are some in our cultures who say, yeah, because we love everybody. No matter who they are, no matter what they do. No, 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 no. I can differentiate between who they are and what they do. I can say, no, I don't like that person because of what they do. I can like them as a person, but I don't have to, I don't have to like or agree with what they do. I don't have to embrace Hitler. I don't have to love him. He comes in here, I'll share the gospel with him. But you know what? I don't have to say, I love you and you're free to do whatever you want to do. No, I can make a judgment call on that. You know, but as a culture, we're just told, no, 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 no. Look, we need people who are discerning. We need people who will put stuff to a test, put it to a test biblically. Is it right? Is it wrong? Is it biblical? Is it unbiblical? Okay, uh, let me get into practical things, okay? Because, you know, I don't like talking to the world of theory. Let me give you a great example. For me, personally, um, I, I go to movies. I don't have a problem going to movies. But let me tell you how I go to movies. When I go to a movie, I don't walk into the movie theater and go, oh, that's like a really cool poster. I want to go see that one. No, I go online ahead of time. I find out what's rated and why it's rated that. Okay? I happen to do a lot, a lot of online stuff, so I always check out Rotten Tomatoes. Make sure. What does Rotten Tomatoes say? What do the critics say? What do the people who are going say? Because I want to know. See what everybody's saying about it. How many Rotten Tomatoes do they give it? So I check it out that way. And then I look at it and figure out, is it something that I think I'm going to enjoy or edify or build me up or whatever we want to call it? And then I decide whether or not I want to see it, rent it, watch it. Does that make sense? Why? It, that, that's discernment. Okay, for instance. Okay, I'm gonna, I might tick some of you off, but... Bear with me on it, okay? Uh, this movie that came out with Oprah in it, um, what is it, the, the Butler, okay? The Butler, okay? I went online. I thought there was a guy in there that I wanted to see because I enjoy him as an actor, and I thought, hey, this looks like a good movie. I want to see The Butler. So I went on. I read the reviews. In the reviews, something came up about 
Nancy Reagan. And the part of Nancy Reagan was played by Jane Fonda. And I'm sitting there going, again, I was of that generation. I'm going, okay, now wait a minute. I know what Jane Fonda represented back during Vietnam. And I know what she did. In my book, in my world, I think it's treason personally. But, I mean, I think there are people that died because of what she did. So I have a problem with that. And I thought, you know what? That's okay. It's been a long time. Maybe she resents doing that. So I went back and looked at some of her comments because I know it came up in, 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 in her tour on the movie thing. And you know what it came up? She said, no, I don't have a problem with it. That's, that stood for what I would have stood for. And then I'm going, and the character you're playing is who? Nancy Reagan. So womp, womp. And I'm going, you know what? I will never be able to sit in that movie and not think about that. So for me, not on my list. Because when I put all the pieces together, it doesn't match. And it's like, eh. I don't know if it's a good movie, bad movie. I don't know. I will never know. You will never get my opinion on it because I ain't going to see it. It doesn't make me more spiritual. Does it? It's it's just it's the way I work through discernment. Okay. Let me let's give you another thing. Mom and dad's raising teenagers. My kid's a good kid. He would never. Were you like ever a teenager? I mean, really. And the kid looks at you and goes, oh, well, you don't trust me. No, I don't trust you, Satan, and your flesh. Let's get it all right, okay? Because I know that in any given situation, any of us are capable of anything. So you know what? As a parent, great, I always said, you earn my trust, it is not freely given. You want my trust, you earn it. And you can lose it in a moment. I will get, I, I will, you will earn my trust, and as you earn my trust, I will give you more trust, and I'll give you more trust, and I'll give you more trust, but the entire time I am giving you more trust, I'm also checking on you. You know why? Because I know Satan and the flesh enough to know you need to have accountability in your life. And that's great that you told me that you went to McDonald's. But if I call McDonald's, again, I'm going to date myself now. If I call McDonald's, okay, because I grew up in a generation where if I told my parents I was going to McDonald's and the group changed and we went to Burger King, I called mom and dad from a pay phone and said, hey, we're at Burger King instead of McDonald's. You know why I did that? Because if my parents decided to go to McDonald's and I wasn't there, then I would have lost their trust. And their trust was too valuable for me to lose over something stupid like that. You see, discernment says, okay, I will trust you, but I'm also going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. It's like, oh, you don't trust me. No, 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 no. I don't trust the flesh, Satan, and you. It's a combination. Right? It's a combination. Yeah, you, you're right. You have not given me any reason to not trust you. But doesn't mean I'm not going to check it out. You like, you, like, you like this church, you like the preaching, you like the style of preaching, whatever else. But you know what? You better go home and check me out. Why? An issue of trust? No, no, no. It's an issue of discernment. It's an issue of discernment. You go to a new church, check it out, you pull out the book, you see what the Bible says, you make sure it is in line. It's discernment. 
somebody comes down the pike with talking about something fancy or some, some new thing or whatever else, you check them out. You check, that's discernment. Discernment says, and had Gedaliah done that, he would have lived. All he had to do was go ask some of his other buddies, hey, look, have any of you guys heard anything about this Ishmael guy? Uh, you know, I know he looks good to you, but I'm telling you, there's some scuffle behind your back here. He's not happy. He could have been alive, and so could all those people. This issue of discernment is so, so important for us, especially in our culture. And we need Christian people who are discerning, who sit back and test things and look at things and study things and, and, and critique things in a good perspective. We don't need people who are way out on the other end that it's like, you know, anybody, again, I'm going to date myself. You remember the, the, there's a communist behind every bush mentality? <clears throat> um, we don't need that far to the extreme, but we need that balance. We need that balance of, you know what, we're going we're gonna to test the file. We're going to look at stuff. Gedaliah didn't need to be paranoid. But by the same token, he didn't need to be as trusting as he was either. He needed discernment to be able to balance both of those out. I think that's a great lesson. Then you come to the rest of the story, and here's what happens. Uh, the people come to Jeremiah, or, or to Jeremiah, and they say, hey, we've got a favor to ask of you. In the seventh month, uh, oh, no, go on, next one. All the army officers, including Johan, son of, I'm going to skip over the names, all right? All the people from the least to greatest, Approached Jeremiah the prophet and said to him, please hear our petition and pray to the Lord your God. I think it's interesting. The Lord your God. For this entire remnant. For as now we see we are once many, now we're only a few left. Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. They were trying to decide what do they do. Do they stay in Jerusalem under Babylonian rule or do they, do they flee? And um, I have heard you, said Jeremiah, I will certainly pray to the Lord your God. That's what Jeremiah said. No, no, he's your God too. Uh, your God, as you have requested, I will tell you everything the Lord says and keep nothing back from you. Then, said Jeremiah, then they said to Jeremiah, may the Lord be true and faithful witness against us if we do not act in accordance with everything the Lord your God tells us. I love this your God thing, okay? Whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God, now they embrace it, to whom we are sending you so that it will go well with us. For we will obey the Lord our God. Ten days later, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, so he called together and all the army officers who were with him and all the people from the least to greatest. He said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel, to whom you sent me to present your petition, says. So he says, Here's what God said. Going on. If you stay in this land, I will build you up and not tear you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, for I am grieved over the disaster I've inflicted on you. Don't be afraid of the king of Babylon, whom you now fear. Do not be afraid of him, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I will save you and deliver you from his hand. I will show you compassion so he will have compassion on you and restore you to your land. However, if you say we will not stay in this land and so disobey the Lord your God, and if you say no, we will go and live in Egypt where we will not see war or hear the trumpet or be hungry for bread, then hear the word of the Lord, O remnant of Judah. This is what the Lord Almighty God of Israel said. If you are determined to go to Egypt and you do go and settle there, then the sword you fear will overtake you there, and the famine you dread will follow you, and there you will die. Indeed, all who are determined to go to Egypt to settle there will die by the sword, famine, plague. Not one of them will survive or escape the disaster I bring on them. This is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel, says. As my anger and wrath has been poured on those who live in Jerusalem, so it will be poured on you when you go into Egypt. You will be the object of cursing and horror, of condemnation and reproach. You will never see this place again. Now, if you're the remnant of Judah, you've just been through 40 years of listening to Jeremiah, 
You have just been through watching your friends, neighbors, and relatives carried off into captivity. You are now sitting there, and king of Babylon is now in charge. You ask God what to do. God tells you, stay where you are. I'm going to take care of you. Don't go to Egypt. What do you do? I mean, come on. 40 years this guy's told you what's going to happen. That's what happened. What do you think they did? Listen to the rest of the story. He goes on. Then Jeremiah said to all the people, that now they actually head down to the land. They look at Jeremiah and said, you lied. You're a liar. You don't speak for God. You've made all of this up. And they head, to the, head down to Egypt. And Jeremiah, being God's voice to them, follows them down there. And then you come to this passage, and here's what it says. Jeremiah said to the people, including the woman, Hear the word of the Lord. All you people of Judah in Egypt, this is what the Lord Almighty, God of Israel, says. You and your wives have shown your actions, and you pro- what you promised, you said. We will certainly carry out the vows we made and burn incense and pour out drink offerings to the Queen of Heaven. They had already embraced the gods of Egypt. Go ahead. Do what you promised. Keep your vows. But hear the word of the Lord. All Jews living in Egypt, I swear by my great name, says the Lord, that no one from Judah living anywhere in Egypt will ever again invoke my name or swear. As surely as the sovereign Lord lives, I am watching over you, over them for harm, not for good. The Jews in Egypt will perish by the sword and famine until they're all destroyed. Those who escape the sword and return to the land of Judah from Egypt will be very few. Then the whole remnant of Judah who came to live in Egypt will know those whose word will stand, mine or theirs. This will be a sign to you. I will punish you in this place, declares the Lord, so that you will know my threats of harm against you will surely stand. This is what the Lord says. I'm going to hand Pharaoh, king of Egypt, over to the enemies who seek his life, just as I handed Zedekiah, king of Judah, over to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the enemy who was seeking his life. In spite of all of Judah had been through, even when they went into captivity, they never learned to listen to God. And they come to Jeremiah and they say, please tell us what to do. And he says, this is what God said to do. Don't go back on what you vowed. You said you'd follow God. This is what God wants you to do. You stay here. And they said, you're a liar. God didn't tell you that. We're heading to Egypt. Here's the irony. This is a, I think this is one of the most ironic things about the whole thing. A thousand years before, 900 years before, they were in Egypt in slavery. Praying for God to bring them out. God brings them out. Takes them, out of the, takes them all the way out of the desert. They complain about them. They spend 40 years there. Takes them into the promised land. Gives them wells they didn't dig. dig food that they didn't, they didn't produce. Everything. Takes care of them completely. And at the end of the story, where do you find them going back to? Egypt. A thousand years wasted. Because they, they, they actually go back to that which they came from. And what happens? They die there. Why? Because they wouldn't listen to God. That simple. They wouldn't listen to God. It's a tragic ending. It's a tragic ending to, to, to a history of a people who should have been, who are God's people who should have followed God. It's a really simple lesson. Do what God tells you to do. Don't go, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but. Here's what you're saying. I know what the Bible says, but I don't intend to obey it because I've got this reason. See, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to treat my spouse 
nicely because, I know the Bible says I should, but I'm not going to do that because you don't know my wife. You don't know my husband. If you had to live with them, you'd understand. God would have made an exception for me. I know what God says about your children and how you ought to raise your children, but you know what? I just love them too much to discipline them. I can't discipline my kids. I mean, that would just like break my heart. Give it 10, 15 years. They'll break your heart. Look, God knows how we are to work. God knows how we are to function. Yeah, you, you know, I know that I'm not, I know I'm supposed to let go of that and not be bitter. But you don't understand how bad I was hurt. Okay, hang on to it. But don't be surprised when it destroys you, the people around you, and you're sitting lonely in a room wondering why nobody wants anything to do with you. Because the Bible says, lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, thereby many will be defiled. It will destroy you. It'll destroy you. Oh, I just can't forgive. It will destroy you. It will. God is really clear on what we ought to do. Some of you right now, you're kind of fighting it. You're going, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I know I'm supposed to, but I'm not going to. I know I'm supposed to. I'm not going to do. I'm not. You will pay a price for that. Why? Because that book's never wrong. It's that simple. When God said, stay here, I'll take care of you, all Israel had to do, all Judah had to do was stay there, and God would have taken care of them. But when God said, you go into the land, you're going to die in the land. They went into the land, they died in the land. It was that so I mean, it's not brain surgery, it's simple. And I just want to challenge you, whatever you're fighting God with, whatever you're struggling with, obey. Obey. So, to each of us, there's a challenge here. Discernment. Be discerning. When you hear something about somebody else, check it out. You go, yeah, but that means everybody's going to like gossip and come to me. No, here's, here, here's how this works. Okay, let me, let me tell you how to end people coming to you about gossip things. So let's say Josh comes to me and says, hey, look, I heard like Jimmy's going to come and take your life. Okay, here's how I solve it. I go to Jimmy and I say, Jimmy, Josh told me that you're going to take my life. Is that true or not? Now, who have I, what have I just done? I've tied him. No, I didn't throw him under the bus. No, 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 no. See, you're right, though. That's our culture. You threw him under the bus. That's our culture. No, 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 no. I did what Paul did when they challenged Paul, and Paul writes, I hear from and he named the people who he heard it from about the problems that were in the church. Why? Because there was not going to be any of this, well, I heard it and I can't tell you because the DDD didn't know. There's none of that. You put all of the people in a room together on the same page and say, I heard this from so-and-so, is it or is it not true? And by the way, I'm going to tell Josh. I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to go to Jimmy and I'm going to let him know that this is what you said and we're going to get this thing solved. Now, how many things is he going to come to me about that afterwards? If he's a gossiper and what he's doing is saying lies, I shut it down real fast. So I hear something in the congregation, you know, I, 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 this happens all the time. I have a spouse coming, uh, you know, we got problems in our marriage. Can my spouse do this, 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 this? I say, okay. Okay, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to have a meeting with your spouse alone. Let me hear their side of it. Because there's two sides to every story. 
And then what I would like to do is have a meeting with both of you. And the couples who are really serious about getting answers go, okay. And the people who just want to gossip and gripe about their spouse go, oh, no, 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 I'm not interested in that. It calls it really quick. This is making sense to you? See? But we're in a culture where it's like, oh, no, you can't say anything to anybody about this because I don't want my name associated with it. Then you should never have opened your mouth. If you don't want to be associated with it, then be quiet and you'll never be associated with it. If God's impressed upon your heart that you need to speak truth and need to speak truth and love and you really want a solution and you want to be part of the solution, then you won't have a problem at all being tied to it. Discernment, okay? We need to be discerning people. And so something comes to me, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. Had Galvaliah done that, he may have still been alive. Discernment. And the other issue is very simply, when God impresses upon your heart something to do, you know from his word it's right. Just go do it. Don't give me all the excuses on why you can't and why you shouldn't and why it's so hard and why you're the exception. No, 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 no. Show me from the Bible why you should or shouldn't do it, and we'll go from there. Had Israel listened to God, it would have been a whole different story. It would have been a whole different story. But they didn't. So God starts to work now in Babylon through a bunch of guys, and eventually he's going to lead a guy by the name of Ezra and Nehemiah back to Jerusalem to rebuild what Israel could have still already rebuilt had they stayed in the land. And God prospered in there like he promised. Listen to him obeying. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Guide us, direct us. God, it's so easy sometimes to excuse things, to be able to push your word aside. And Lord, help us to be obedient. Lord, help us to listen to those promptings of the Holy Spirit. Help us to be discerning people. God, when we hear stuff, can we not be part of the gossip and the, the... the destructive nature of the way things happen but lord may we be people who are peacemakers who bring parties together who get resolution and and get things resolved lord guide and direct us help us to do that help us to be kind of people that make a difference in this world and lord we ask that you would be honored and glorified in our lives in our conversation and all that we do and may we not be like galdaliah and, and and lack discernment may we not be like israel lord and and ignore your clear command, your clear teaching. So, Lord, use us to be the kind of people that honor you. And we'll give you the honor and the, great, the praise and the glory. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um,